It's the Friday free-for-all. We talk the Pats, the Lions, and teams most likely to repeat as divisional champs. That's the focus of today's TBN Daily. And welcome in to the Friday edition of the TDM Daily Podcast. Chris Schubert back with you here once again on the show. Hope everybody is having a fantastic Friday, closing out the week, the weekend, just around the corner. We've got a fun one. You know the drill, the Friday free-for-all. We pass the producer's mic. I'll keep the host mic today. The producer's mic gets passed over to you, the listener of the show, specifically the live YouTube chat. You drive the conversation. You drive where this show is going to go. The topics all come from you. The questions all come from you. The banter all comes from you. You just get my reaction uh, to the stories of the day. So kind of like a news and notes kind of show, but a Friday free-for-all where we completely pass things over to you. I do have some backup stories in case we need some stuff. we got a lot of people in here hanging out on a Friday to close out the week. And one of the uh, popular things that came up in the pre-show that I, I think we should probably start the show with, uh, and that is that we are learning more uh, as to why... Uh, the Patriots got a couple practices taken away uh, for violating offseason rules. Um, the NFLPA is alleging uh, that special teams coach Joe Judge directed special teams players to be at the facility longer than the maximum that's allowed, which I think is like four hours um, during phase two of the club's program. And so Joe Judge... Uh, Special teams coordinator for the Patriots, then went on to be the coach for the New York Giants for a couple seasons. That didn't work out very well there in New York, and I think his tenure there uh, with the Giants kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Came back to New England, was part of this offensive mastermind duo of Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, who were running, uh, play calling, putting together, installing the offense for the Patriots last season. Um, and I don't know how many people saw this story when it when it happened, but there was a story written, I want to say a couple of months ago, right after the season concluded, that discussed the the inner workings of the 2022 season, the dysfunction that maybe occurred with Mac Jones, with Bill Belichick, with the offense at large. And if you read through the story, and I and I wish I could be able to source it um, and be able to give a link to everybody, but I remember reading the story and it went through kind of what went wrong for the Patriots in 2022. And it kind of talked a little bit about Joe Judge um, not maybe doing things the way that he needed to do them, kind of undoing some of the things that maybe Patricia was trying to do. And it just it didn't seem like that duo, uh, Patricia and Judge calling the offense, uh, what, what was not working out the way maybe Bill Belichick and company thought it was going to when they put this in place. Imagine, imagine thinking that two defensive or special teams coaches were going to put their minds together and be able to come up with a, a coherent offense in 2020, uh, 2022 uh, to be able to win the AFC East and be competitive um, in the AFC. And so Joe Judge kind of overstayed his welcome in New York, maybe rubbed some people the wrong way a year ago um, during the year in which they were in he was in charge of the offense with Matt Patricia. And now uh, the allegations that he, you know, you know, that what was maybe supposed to be optional, the NFLPA observer, uh, and I, I read this follow-up report, the NFLPA observer did not feel as if it was optional, felt like it was more than mandatory, which would then violate the rules and then got the Patriots in trouble. And Taylor B says, this isn't the first time this has happened under Belichick, right? It was my my instant reaction when I saw the news, what was it, yesterday on Thursday when when the uh, when the story came out that like, I remember something like this happening um, in the, uh, you know, in in past, in the past where they where they had um, an issue um, like that and they got something taken away 
um, when it comes to practices, something very similar. I don't remember exactly what the infraction was, but yes, yeah, something very similar um, in which they uh, lost a couple days of OTAs. In this case, it was two days of OTAs due to a meeting violation. The chat also has brought up, Tuttle says, the NFL gambling, do you think we'll see any other teams hit with suspensions like the hashtag our Lions? There was that report that floated out, what, in the middle of the week? Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? In which it said that the, the league is investigating, um, they're following up and there's a second investigation into some violation of the NFL um, gambling rules. And I think to pair this with with something, um, Jameson Williams met with the media, what was it, yesterday um, after practice? Um, and I'm reading the tweet here. Yeah, this was from 20 hours ago. Um, but he answered these questions, and I'm pretty sure the, 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 the takeaway that he had, um, he said that he didn't know the NFL's gambling rules, says that he still doesn't know when he exactly violated it. Um, somebody, I guess, followed up and asked if that meant he gambles a lot. Williams said no, but would not comment on what he gambles on. And I think this goes back to when we look at the situations that have occurred over the last couple of years, right, with Calvin Ridley and with um, Jamison Williams. The difference in those suspensions, right, J uh, Jamison Williams suspended for the first six games of the Lions schedule. Um, Calvin Ridley suspended for the entire year. Calvin Ridley had bets on NFL games. That's a no-no for a league that is partnered with, that is taking money from these gambling institutions on a regular basis. And with legalized sports gambling all across um, the country and with other states very closely keeping an eye on it to see if they're the next, uh, you know, the next spot up. The NFL can't afford the bad PR. The NFL can't afford stories in which their their own players are betting on um, their um, their league. And so it's just a no-no. It's an automatic one-year suspension. For Jamison Williams, it was that he placed a bet, not on an NFL game, because we know because it's only six games, but he did so at a team facility, which again is a no-no. So if he bet on, and I'm just making something up, he, the Mets played the Cubs last night, right? If he was at the team facility and placed a bet on the Mets and the Cubs, that is a no-no under the NFL's gambling rules, and that is a automatic six-game suspension. Now, we can have a separate conversation of whether or not that's a fair policy to have or whether or not that's the right way for the NFL to go about it. But those are the rules. Um, but Jamison Williams says he didn't know the rules. And I don't know if that is a lack of accountability from Jamison Williams's perspective and not understanding the rules or if that is a lack of transparency and over-the-top communication from the NFL perspective where they are hammering these rules home. These feel like rules that would be pretty, pretty important uh, to to emphasize with your players. This is what's going to get you an automatic suspension. This is going to get you an automatic one-year suspension. Uh, this is what's going to get you an automatic six-game suspension. These are the rules. Do not break them. And it probably would be best served for the NFL to go to each of these camps and reinforce um, these rules just so there isn't any sort of ambiguity whatsoever about how these players feel about this um and you know just kind of clear the air and say these are the rules this is what you need to do do not bet on anything when you're here at the team facility do not bet on the nfl at all um and then you know go from there but again for for a league that's taking you know millions of dollars from these gambling institutions from these betting institutions you know they need to be on the up and up they need to look above board and so that's why the policy is in place and that's why the nfl has been so strong with it. But yeah, there is a rumor um, that there's a, another member of the 2022 Detroit Lions that's being investigated for a potential violation um, of the league's gambling policy, which would be the fifth player um, that has been caught up in this investigation from the NFL. And, and look, 
the NFL is going to be on top of this. It's one of the things that they're definitely going to stay on top of with a new TV deal coming up, with them taking this money from these gambling institutions. Um, they are going to really, really make sure that they are on the up and up and they have everything sorted out um, the way that it needs uh, to be. So I have a story ready to go that I wanted to get everybody's thoughts on. And maybe we'll make this the, the meat of the podcast here. But our guy, Dan, wrote a story that dropped this morning on the draftnetwork.com. And his the story is titled, Why Can't the NFC East Produce Repeat Champions? And it goes into the fact that since 2004, the NFC East has not had a single one of its four teams win back-to-back titles. And it talks about the other teams that have won back-to-back titles. Um and talks about there, there are only three teams that have never won back-to-back division titles, and that being the Atlanta Falcons, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Detroit Lions. And I thought it would be interesting. I thought it would be a fun conversation here on the show today to discuss most likely to least likely teams that could be repeat divisional champions in the year 2023. And we could go division by division, evaluate these divisions, and discuss the likelihood and plot these teams on a chart. And so that means we have to open up a trusty Google Doc and go most likely to least likely. And so we're going to do it live. I did not pre-prepare my list. Um, I thought it would be more fun here on the Friday Free For All to walk through the thought process that I would take if I was doing a deep dive research project for one of these shows and that we could we could do it this way. So I am opening up a untitled Google document and we are going to put eight numbers down. I know how to count. You have to go one to eight. One being the most likely, one being the most likely to repeat as a divisional champion in the year 2023. Eight being least likely to repeat as a divisional champion in 2023. So I think this would be a very fun conversation. And why don't we start with the division that was the launching point for Dan's story, the launching point for me wanting to do this as a topic. Let's discuss the likelihood that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to repeat as divisional champions. Now, again, I just gave you the numbers. Since 2004, it hasn't happened. There has not been a repeat champion. Now, in order to do this, I think the important thing to evaluate is the level of competition that the division can provide the Philadelphia Eagles. And so you look at Dallas, a team that won 12 games a year ago. The Giants, a surprise team that made the playoffs and won nine games and won a playoff game. And the Commanders, who were 500. They were 8-8-1 by the time the season was over. So all four teams... 500 or better a year ago, three playoff teams in the division. I think we would agree that the Giants have not fallen off. In fact, they probably have gotten better with their draft. The Dallas Cowboys probably have not fallen off. They've filled some holes. They've still got Dak Prescott. They've still got all the infrastructure that led them to a 12-win season a year ago. And the Washington Commanders, they're going to give it a run with Sam Howell as their quarterback. And I think that's a relative unknown. But overall, I don't think this division is all that changed. So you look at it from the context of this Philadelphia Eagles team won 14 games a year ago. They kind of won 14 games because the schedule was incredibly favorable to them. Not taking anything away from the fact that they are the defending NFC champions, that they went to the Super Bowl, that they were very impressive in the playoffs. They beat some good teams in the playoffs. But the schedule was very favorable to them uh, in the regular season. Don't know if that's going to be the case in 2023. I think it's likely. I still think they're very much head and shoulders above the Dallas Cowboys. I think they are better than the New York Giants. So I think it is likely that they, they repeat. I do not think we can put them in the one spot, though, because the competition of the division, because the division did have all four teams above 500. The the competition did have two other teams in addition to the Philadelphia Eagles that made the playoffs in 2022. So do we want to put the Philadelphia Eagles two or three? That feels like a great starting point for us. And so I'm going to put the Philadelphia Eagles three. 
from the level of competition. And we can adjust. We can adjust if we feel like there's a team that needs to go above them, but we need to start somewhere with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, let's bat, let's we'll ping pong. We'll go back and forth. Let's look at the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills won this division a year ago with 13 wins. Only one other team in the division with a winning record, the Miami Dolphins. Only one other team in the division um, in the playoffs. The New England Patriots were 8-9. and nine. I think they take a step backwards. I think the schedule is really difficult. I think the teams that they're going to have to play in the division, the Jet, they're going to have to play the Jets twice a year with Aaron Rodgers. That's going to make those games uh, more difficult than they were in years past. They've swept that series each of the last, what, six or seven years um, under Bill Belichick and with the New York Jets kind of in a state of quarterback turmoil. Um, the Jets are going to be better. They're going to be um, better than 7-10 and 10 if they get consistent quarterback play from Aaron Rodgers over the course of 17 games. And Miami, when Tua was healthy, was directly there, right in the mix, competing with the Buffalo Bills for that division. I think they've, they've gotten better in terms of their backup quarterback with Mike White over Teddy Bridgewater um, and, and Skylar Thompson. So if they did have to go to a backup quarterback, I think Mike White is very capable enough of stepping in and being able uh, to win games. So Buffalo's repeat chances, I think, are lower than Philadelphia's because I think Miami was a playoff team a year ago. The Jets just got a very good quarterback that should be able to help them. They got a top 10 quarterback at the position. So I'm going to put the Bills directly below, directly below the Philadelphia Eagles for the moment. We're going to put them fourth. Taylor B, we are rating them one to eight. So one, the the team that's going to finish first on this list is the team that we feel is most likely to repeat as a divisional champion. The team that we put eighth is the team least likely to repeat as a divisional champion. So one to eight, because there are eight divisions, one most likely, eight being the least likely. We've gotten two down, and I don't love the spots that we put either of these teams. This is going to be a very difficult uh, conversation for us to have here on a, on a Friday, but I'm very excited about it. We'll go back to the NFC, and let's look at the NFC South. We'll start, we'll go to the Souths here. So Tampa won this division a year ago. They're eight and eight and nine. Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta, all seven and 10. New Orleans got better because I think they upgraded their quarterback. Carolina got better. They upgraded their coaching staff, and I think they're going to get better quarterback play. Atlanta, I think they're a better team with what they've done in free agency. I think if we are looking at a team that is least likely to repeat out of all the teams we're discussing, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers losing Tom Brady, going with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, I think this is very, very easy for us to put um, at least as a starting point. And if we want to make an adjustment later, that's fine. But I think we got to take some wins when we can get them where they're easy. I think the Tampa Bay Bucs are the most likely to have their division um, taken from them. So they are the least likely to be a repeat divisional champion. So we will put them eighth on the list. We go to the AFC South. The Jags, nine and eight, won this division. Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, the Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts, Houston Texans, all teams that finished with losing records. The Texans and Colts, two teams that picked inside the top four that will be starting rookie quarterbacks with brand new first-time head coaches. The Tennessee Titans, Ryan Tannehill, Will Levis, you know, who knows what you're, what you're going to make of that. The level of competition here makes me really want to consider the Jacksonville Jaguars as the most likely to repeat of this list. Because again, the competition is very, very scarce. But I'm going to put them number two. Because I think there's a team that is going to be, that has a better chance. And if we want to have a conversation debating one and two, that's fine. But we're going to put Jacksonville two for the moment. That was the AFC South. We'll go to the team that I think is number one. We'll go to the NFC West. The San Francisco 49ers were 13-4. and four. The only other team in the division that was good and made the playoffs was Seattle Seahawks. I don't know what to make of the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I don't think... 
the Arizona Cardinals are going to be much of anything with Kyler Murray uh, being out the door. Now, San Francisco did win 13 games a year ago. They had all that quarterback turmoil. Whether or not they start Sam Darnold or Brock Purdy or um, Trey Lance, I think their division, Seattle took a, took a, took a, a step back in the second half of last year. They got to refine themselves. Um, and so I think if you're looking at a team, and I know they've got the quarterback issues, but the division is incredibly favorable to them. I think they're going to have at least four games a year in which they're going to be heavily favored against the Rams and the Cardinals. I think they're going to be favored in their home game against the, the Seattle Seahawks. I think they can very easily go up there and beat Seattle. Again, their quarterback is going to figure itself out, but I was very, very concerned about the way Seattle passed the football in the second half of last season. Concerned me greatly. They're going to have to do that to be able to win games in this division. So I'm going to put Seattle number one for the moment as most likely to repeat as a divisional champion. So we'll put the 49ers. So we've got three spots left, and then we'll read the whole list, and then we'll see how we feel and if we want to make any adjustments. So we just did the NFC West. Let's do the AFC West. The Kansas City Chiefs, 14-3, and three, defending Super Bowl champs. I think we have to give that a little bit of a, of a grade here. That's going to that's gonna influence us here a little bit. But the Los Angeles Chargers might be pretty good. They won 10 games a year ago. Another year, another step in the right direction for Justin Herbert. You've got the Raiders, who aren't going to be very good. I think they're a team that's going to be picking inside the top 10, right? That's just personal opinion. I, I And we've, we just learned the news that Jimmy Garoppolo had to have surgery after he signed his contract with um, the Raiders. He's already hurt, hasn't played a game for them. Then the Denver Broncos. The way you feel about this division is going to truly come down to the way you feel about Sean Payton's impact on getting Russell Wilson back to being um, above average, right? Because if that's the case, Denver's defense was really good a year ago. Denver's got the offensive weaponry to be able to, to do a whole lot. Um, so it's really going to depend. I think for now, I think we need to make an adjustment. I'm already going to make an adjustment. We need to move the Bills down to five because I think I think Miami and the Jets are better in our minds how we feel about... I think we feel, we feel that the competition for the Bills in Miami and the Jets are, is greater than the competition we feel that Denver and the Chargers will be for the Chiefs. And so Al Bundy says you can only choose a number once. Yes, one through eight. One being most likely, eight being least likely. We have to rank these in order. We have to do some level of a ranking. So I'm going to slot Buffalo down to five, and I'm going to put Kansas City at four. I think we might need to, we might need to, we're going to need to make some adjustments. We're going to finish the list, and then we're going to make some adjustments, because I'm already seeing some things that I don't necessarily love about this list. All right, our last two divisions are the North. We'll go back to the NFC North. The Minnesota Vikings, 13 and four. The Detroit Lions, 9-8, barely missed the playoffs. The Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers gone, Jordan Love in. The Chicago Bears, team did pick number one overall, won three games a year ago. The likelihood that the Minnesota Vikings repeat as divisional champions. I don't love it. I think the, I think the Lions can give them a ton of, of trouble. They certainly did give them a ton of trouble. Minnesota won a lot of close games. They won a lot of games where the luck was on their side. I don't think that's going to repeat itself. They can still be good, but I think this division can help them, can hurt them. So we're going to put Minnesota seven, which means just by default we're putting the Cincinnati Bengals six. So here's the list as in version 1.0 after going through it once. Most likely to repeat as divisional champions in 2023. Spot number one means they're most likely. Spot number eight means they're least likely. And I already see one adjustment that I think I want to make. San Francisco one, Jacksonville two. Philly 3, Kansas City 4, Buffalo 5, Cincinnati 6, Minnesota 7, Tampa 8. I think the easiest thing that we can do here, if we flip Kansas City 
We move them up to two, right? And then I think we put Jacksonville three and Philly four. I think we just move Kansas City up to two and we move everybody else down. I think that's probably the, 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 I think the thing that makes the most sense. Because I think, man, but I think Jacksonville's got an easier division. I still think that I still think the Chargers are going to be better than anything. I think I think the Chargers are going to be are going to be better than anything the Jacks see from a divisional opponent. And and how and and I understand everybody's concerned about having the Jags in the top four here, but the division isn't going to be very good. You've got you've got C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback, first year for D'Amico Ryan's. That team's trending in the right direction. I like what they're doing, but I don't necessarily think that it's like a guarantee that they're going to be competitive. Indy starting Anthony Richardson, right? I mean, it, are, we're, are, we're not, we, we haven't forgotten how Anthony Richardson that, like coming out, we thought he was a raw prospect. We thought it was going to take some time. We, we can't just now put that to the side because we're like, oh, I don't really know. And like Tennessee, like what are they? They don't have a good wide receiver core. I don't know who their starting quarterback's going to be by the midway point of the season. It might be Will Levis. Like, I just don't know. And so for me, I understand everybody's concerns about maybe we're overhyping the Jags, but that's not what this conversation is about. The Jags might only win eight or nine games, but still win the division. I think there's a difference between overhyping the Jags and thinking they're going to win 12 or 13 games and then thinking they might, they might still win eight or nine games. Eight or nine games might be good enough to win that division. And I think that's the separator that we need to have here. I would agree that I'm not ready to go full bore, Dougie P, Trevor Lawrence, AFC favorites, get them to, to, to high double-digit wins. They're in the mix for the one seed. I don't want to go that far. But focusing in this conversation, they can win eight or nine games, and that's probably enough to win this division. And so because of that, I think they're kind of landlocked to the top three. And so... That's the direction that I want to go in. I do think we need to look at the idea of how much clout do we want to give the fact that Kansas City has run the division for so long? Because if you do that, then don't we have to then necessarily do the same thing for the Philadelphia Eagles? No team's repeat in that division since 2004. If we're going to use that, if we're going to use historical context, then I think the historical context needs to be evenly applied across the board. And so for me, putting Philly and Kansas City three and four feels relatively good. I think I'm, I'm, I'm talking myself right back into the order that we currently have. San Francisco, Jacksonville, Philly, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Minnesota, Tampa Bay. And I, I, might, I might flip Cincinnati and Minnesota because Cincinnati ha- probably has more teams that I think can be above 500 in that division. With Baltimore, with Pittsburgh, who you know is going to be 500. It's what Mike Tomlin does. And then, you know, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, all those teams are going to be pretty good. Heldy wants Kansas City to be number one. I can't do it. I can't put them above the Jacks. From a divisional strength perspective, I can't do it. On principle, I can't do it. Sam, Chris, have you done a list for the inverse of this? The likelihoods of teams finishing in the bottom of the division for for the second year in a row. I have not done the inverse of this. Are Are we doing the inverse of this? We need to finalize this list first. Can we finalize this version of the list before we talk talk about doing another version of this list? I'm just I think I think there are some there are some there are some things I'm not willing to do. I'm not willing to move the Jags outside of the top 3. I hear everybody's concerns about San Francisco. But Al Bundy just put it in the chat. 
Every division has a, has at least one major competitor. Kansas City has the Chargers. The Buff- Buffalo has the Jets in Miami. The 49ers have Seattle. Minnesota has the Lions. Cincinnati has Baltimore. The NFC South, who knows who's going to win that division. The Jags have no competition, and I think I agree with that. But now Al wants to put me with the Jags at number one. <sighs> All right, Al, you, you, made a, you, made a, you made a compelling case. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I've now messed up my numbers here. Give me a second. My numbers are all messed up. I'm putting I'm putting Jacksonville number one. So Jacksonville's number one. The San Francisco 49ers are number two. The Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs are number three. And, I'll, I, and the Kansas City Chiefs are number four. I'm going to make another adjustment. I'm going to move. I'm going to flip-flop the Eagles and the Chiefs. Because I think the Eagles have more realistic candidates that can... The Eagles have more realistic candidates that were in the playoffs a year ago, right? They had two that were in the playoffs a year ago, and that are going to be similar levels of competition. The Chiefs, it's all what you make of Denver. And as we sit here right now, I can't put anything into Denver until I see them on the field. And so we're going to flip-flop Kansas City and Philadelphia. And I'm flip-flopping Minnesota and Cincinnati. And then I'm calling it a list. And then I think we might be calling it a show. That's what we're doing. So here's the new list. Locked in, ready to go. The Chris Schubert official most likely to repeat as divisional winners in 2023. One being most likely, eight being least likely. See, Sam, Sam, Sam just put the 49ers seven. And now that's making me think. You're putting a lot of bet on, you're putting a lot of bet on Seattle. Now I'm I'm committed. The official Chris Schubert. Most likely to repeat as 2023 division winners list here, ready to go. Number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number two, the San Francisco 49ers. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. Number four, the Philadelphia Eagles. Number five, the Buffalo Bills. Number six, the Minnesota Vikings. Number seven, the Cincinnati Bengals. And number eight, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There it is, one through eight, the Chris Schubert official, most likely to repeat as division winners in the 2023-24 season. A lot of debate about this. I wasn't sure how this was going to go. Very, very excited to see that it went as well as it did. We appreciate you making this show a part of your day. Whether it was one, two, three, four, or all five episodes, we greatly appreciate you being here uh, for whenever you're able to tune in to TD and Daily. We would greatly appreciate a rate, a review, a subscribe to the podcast. If you've done all three of those things, if you've done those three pieces of homework, I've got a new one for you. How about you share the show with a friend, a family, a coworker, somebody you think would enjoy the football conversation, that would enjoy the banter, being a part of this great TD and Daily community that we are creating. Here's another piece of homework for you. Join us on the YouTube side of things. You saw we passed the producer's mic today on the Friday edition of the show over to the listeners of the program, the live YouTube chat, and they got to be a part of the show. You can do the same Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is when we do this show. If you want to just catch the video version on demand, you can do so as well underneath the live tab on the Draft Network uh, YouTube channel. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Hope everybody enjoys whatever they're doing here with a couple days off. We've got a show for you again on Monday, so we'll see you then.